The conference realignment dam appears to be breaking again. What do the last 48 hours mean for the future of college football? Well, let's explore all of it right now on Frogs Insider. Welcome into a special episode of Frogs Insider. I am Jamie Plunkett, flying solo on this episode, but don't worry, Melissa will be back with us next week. If this is your first time listening, thank you for being here. I really do appreciate it. And uh, if you could, make sure that you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that follow button on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube to Frogs Insider, all of the above. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for coming back. We appreciate you. You know the drill here. Everything's good. Uh, Frogs Insider is sponsored in part by Homefield Apparel. Uh, I'm not going to do any kind of big read for them today other than to say that despite it being like 187 degrees in Texas right now, I am rocking a Homefield hoodie. If you don't believe me, you can check it out on the YouTube channel. I've got the Big Sky Conference on my chest today representing a little bit of a conference theme here on this episode. If you want this hoodie, if you want any of the TCU gear that they do offer over at Homefield Apparel using the code FROGSIN15, and we'll get you 15% off of a purchase there. So go and do it. It's worth it. It's the most comfortable clothing you can get. Make it happen. All right? All right. So the last 48 hours in college football have been pretty hectic, especially from a realignment standpoint. We're going to talk about the impact of the Pac-12 media deal. We're going to talk about the Big Ten's foray back into expansion. And we're going to talk about Florida State's Board of Trustees meeting that happened on Wednesday afternoon. And of course, because this is a TCU podcast, we will tie it all back into TCU kind of at the end of this thing. But I want to start with the Pac-12's meeting on Tuesday morning. I feel like this is the appropriate place to begin this conversation. Now, on the last episode of the podcast, I said that Tuesday of this week would be a big day in the world of conference realignment because we would learn more about the Pac-12 media rights deal. This is something that the Pac-12 presidents had been urging George Klyavkov to give them for essentially a year now. They've been working on this media rights deal for a long time. You'll know from the various other podcasts and media outlets that the Big 12 and Brett Yormark cut ahead of the Pac-12 when it came to sealing and signing their media rights deal. And that put the Pac-12 in a pretty precarious position. Well, with Colorado out the door to the Big 12 last week, the remaining nine schools in the conference essentially demanded that Commissioner George Klyavkov present them with some hard numbers. Uh, Tuesday was the deadline that they set for him, not the deadline that he gave them for having numbers. And so you see this kind of uncomfortable tension really starting to come to a head between Klyavkov and his presidents. Uh, and Tuesday morning just did not go well, to be completely honest. Um, the numbers were not where they needed to be. Jason Shear, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, you absolutely need to. He's 24-7 Sports Arizona publisher at wildcatauthority.com. He's been on this thing from the beginning. He reported on Wednesday night that the offer was somewhere around 20 to $24.5 million per school per year. That would have put them at least $7 million per school per year behind the Big 12, which is just not a good spot to be in, considering that right now the Big 12 has the fourth 
biggest payout in the Power Five conferences. So the Pac-12 would have been in last place. There were subscription targets that if hit could bump that number up for the Pac-12, but the real kicker to me at least was that the Pac-12 games wouldn't even be available with a normal Apple TV subscription. Now, Apple is the the media company that came in with this offer, and what they were proposing to the Pac-12 was that the Pac-12 games would largely be streamed on Apple TV, but people would have to pay an add-on for another app or for a, like another addition to Apple TV in order to access that Pac-12 content. It's very similar to what Apple TV is doing with the MLS this year. Now, the 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 difficult thing for Pac-12 presidents I think to wrap their head around was they just went through a bad media deal that their previous commissioner Larry Scott negotiated for them where they completely controlled their own broadcasting network, the PAC 12 network. The numbers on that were worse than the lowest projections they had going into that deal. And so I can fully understand the president's hesitancy to enter into another deal where there were certain benchmarks that had to be met as far as ratings were concerned. Um, And so at the end of that meeting on Tuesday morning, there was no agreement made. Instead, they had asked for another meeting to be scheduled where they could come back and Klyavkov could present them with maybe an additional kind of linear option to pair with that largely streaming Apple TV contract. Um, But that meeting is probably not going to happen at this point. Let's Let's just cut to the chase right there. When that meeting ended several things began to happen and they began to happen pretty quickly first. And this is something that I know for certain Arizona president, Robert Robbins and big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark were in communication pretty quickly after that Tuesday morning meeting ended. There were some rumors on Twitter about the meeting being face to face and they were meeting in DFW. Uh, I, I don't have confirmation of any of that, but I do know that they talked and they talked a couple of different times. I also know that several Pac-12 schools made contact with the Big 12 and several more made contact with the Big 10. So it seemed like they left that meeting and ultimately the consensus among the Pac-12 presidents was, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen for the Pac-12. We need to start finding our our life rafts. Later in the afternoon, though, Arizona's Board of Regents went into an executive session. Uh, This is a meeting that is closed door Um, it's normally pretty private they are little details are given uh, and that was the case for this meeting Um, it's important to know that the board of regents oversees not just the university of arizona but the same board oversees arizona arizona state and northern arizona university all three major public universities in the state the meeting minutes from that meeting don't clarify what that meeting was about but the prevailing thought is that at least in part It was to discuss the Pac-12's media deal and come to an understanding about what the next step was for at least the University of Arizona. Now, Arizona has gotten down the road at this point on Tuesday afternoon with the Big 12 as far as understanding what it would look like to leave the Pac-12 and join their conference. They hadn't gotten as far down that road as Colorado, obviously, because Colorado felt comfortable leaving the week prior, but they had had some significant conversations pretty much since Brett Yormark had taken over as the commissioner of the Big 12. 
And now it's getting to the point on Tuesday afternoon where it seems like Arizona is ready to make that jump. They had waited and waited and waited. Their president uh, had been very open about wanting to see hard numbers, and then he would make a decision. Well, he got his hard numbers on Tuesday morning, and it seemed like a decision was going to come pretty quickly for Arizona after that meeting ended. Things were relatively quiet on Tuesday night. Uh, I got a, a little bit of a note that said Arizona's pretty much done at that point. Um, obviously, at the time that you are listening to this, that's still not the case, but it is likely going to be the case. Uh, and we'll get to why that is in just a few minutes here. Um, but Tuesday night is, is pretty quiet. Um, everybody kind of wants to see what the next step is for the Pac-12. The Big 12 has gone pretty radio silent at this point. Um, Arizona, despite having an executive meeting for their Board of Regents, did not have much rumbling coming out of the university on Tuesday night. Um, and so we get to a Wednesday morning and we think, okay, well, we're going to be able to see when the Pac-12 has their next meeting. We're going to be able to see what that looks like if they get better numbers, if they get a linear option, uh, or, hey, this might be the Big 12's opportunity to snag Arizona and then really put the Pac-12's back against a wall. Well, instead of that happening, um, all hell broke loose in a very different way. First and foremost, around lunchtime, reports began to spring up that a subgroup of Big Ten presidents had begun some preliminary discussions around expansion. So let's talk about this for a second. The Big Ten, as a group, expanded about a year ago by inviting USC and UCLA to the conference. That got them to 16 schools, which largely was thought of as the cap for conference expansion this go around. There's never been a conference that had more than 16 schools that was very successful when it came to scheduling, especially for some of those non-revenue sports. Travel was going to become a big issue with adding two schools from Los Angeles to the Big Ten, and they were undergoing a change at their commissioner position. So the tone around Big Ten and expansion for the last eight to 10 months had really been they were content at 16 teams and last week even at Big Ten Media Days Commissioner Tony Petiti reiterated that that they were focused on bringing in USC and UCLA that they were excited about the future of the Big Ten as a 16 team league um, and it really seemed like they had decided and had held on to this stance that they were going to hold at 16 teams for the time being but it's college realignment, realignment and anything can happen, right? So just six days later, when this news breaks that the Big Ten is considering another round of expansion, they had a subgroup of Big Ten presidents that had started to have some conversations about this, and the names that were specifically listed were Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. And now I know what you're thinking. Stanford and Cal why would those two schools be included with Oregon and Washington? We're going to get to that in just a moment. What was interesting was the Big Ten's official statement when this news started to leak. The Big Ten conference is still focused on integration of USC and UCLA, but it's also the commissioner's job to keep conference chancellors and presidents informed about new developments as they occur. Okay, so this statement makes it seem like well, we see that there's some chaos and some turmoil maybe happening in the western part of the country with the Pac-12. 
we're just making sure that we do our due diligence as that goes about. But I want to pause for a moment here and remind everyone of one of the golden rules regarding realignment. There are a couple, but this is, I think, in this moment, the most important one. Leaks happen on purpose. We've seen that throughout the Big 12 and Pac-12 back and forth for over a year now. We've seen how the Big 12, through calculated efforts, through members of the national media, have positioned themselves as the aggressor, putting the Pac-12 in a difficult position where George Klyavkov is forced to say things like, well, we haven't decided if we're going shopping there yet, to talking about waiting longer is actually better for our media deal, to all the way a week ago at Pac-12 Media Day saying, the only reason we're not announcing a media deal today is to keep the focus on football, which clearly was not true. But this leak on Wednesday for the big, sorry, hang on. That's why those leaks, the happening on purpose, is why we could safely assume that the deal presented to the Pac-12 on Tuesday morning was not great. Because if it had been a better number, if it had been a number that was bigger than the Big 12's number, it would have come out almost immediately. We would have seen them codify that agreement we would be talking about the Pac-12 having a better media deal than the Big 12 right now. That news didn't leak because the Pac-12 didn't want it to leak because it was a bad deal. And so when we get to Wednesday and these leaks start to come out about the Big 10 considering expansion, news breaking like that is calculated. National reporters very clearly got a green light to report that information, which I'll be honest with you, had begun to leak out a few days earlier. If you are on Twitter and you saw my hang on to your butts tweet, this is what that tweet was about. I had started to hear some rumblings that the Big Ten was stirring when it came to conference realignment, that they were thinking about getting their heads back in the game. And lo and behold, on Wednesday, that came true. So now we're in a situation on Wednesday where the Big Ten and the Big 12 are both eyeballing multiple Pac-12 schools. And it seemed at that point like it was just a matter of time, like whoever blinks first is going to lose this staring contest. But an interesting part of what leaked out about the Big 10 on Wednesday was that they didn't want to deal the killing blow to the Pac-12. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, along with several others, including Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports, noted that the Big Ten does not want to be the one to deal the final blow to the Pac-12. Well, I hate to break it to the Big Ten, but the final blow to the Pac-12 was poaching USC and UCLA. I don't care if it took a year for the conference to bleed out and die. Taking the Southern California market away from the Pac-12 is what killed them. If you think I'm wrong... Let me redirect you back to the awful, mostly streaming media deal that they were just proposed on Tuesday. That doesn't happen if Los Angeles is still a part of that market. That doesn't happen if their two biggest quote-unquote blue blood universities in various sports are still there to draw all of those Southern California eyeballs. Projections said that they lost the Pac-12 lost probably 40% of a future media deal when USC and UCLA walked out the door that is what killed the Pac-12. The Big Ten killed the Pac-12. It just took them a little while to bleed out. So whatever happens next in Pac-12 realignment, which we're going to get to in a moment, the first domino of the Big Ten taking USC and UCLA 
is what ultimately killed that conference. If that was the only thing that happened on Wednesday, that would have been a crazy news day. It would have been enough to keep everybody busy, but it wasn't. Florida State decided to throw their hat into the chaos ring by having their own board of trustees meeting. This was a previously scheduled meeting. They had multiple action items that they needed to vote on, but because it wasn't an executive session, it was a public meeting and it was live streamed for everyone to see. And thank God it was because it was wonderful. I had the best time keeping an eye on it. They voted on several orders of business, including whether or not they should look into purchasing a private plane. Uh, There was a big discussion around private planes and how do you get pilots? Where do you store the private plane? How does the private plane help with university business? Um, But once they finished all of their voting, um, Florida State President Rick McCullough brought the conversation around to FSU's athletic membership in the ACC. He set up his conversation by talking a lot about the growth that Florida State has made, not only as an athletic institution, but as an academic one. He did a lot of talking that kind of positioned Florida State as this powerhouse institution in a variety of ways. This was a very strategic thing that he was doing. Remember, information that gets out is done so intentionally when when it comes to this kind of stuff. He knew that this was being live streamed. He knew that media members were watching this stream. And so he picked his words very carefully. But he, what he said near the end of his little mini speech was, I think, the most important part of what he said. Because he starts to go into how important Florida State is, how traditionally historic and great Florida State is, both academically and athletically. And then he turns his attention onto their conference and he says, my current assessment of the situation after a very deep analysis is that I believe that FSU will have to at some point consider very seriously leaving the ACC unless there were a radical change to the revenue distribution. So for a while now, we've known that several schools in the ACC, including Florida State and Clemson, have been unhappy with the ACC's media rights deal. It's evenly distributed among all 14 members, plus Notre Dame gets a cut for non-football sports. Florida State feels as though they should get a larger piece of that pie because they are a bigger brand that draws more eyeballs, yada, yada, yada. This is kind of how the argument goes. We've seen this argument happen in a couple other conferences. Texas and Oklahoma tried to figure out for years ways they could manipulate the grant of rights to ask this of the Big 12 and get a bigger cut. This is something that's been a part of the Pac-12 conversation for the last year. Should we be able to find a way to give Oregon and Washington a bigger piece of the pie in this next media deal to keep them on board, which would likely keep other people on board? Premier programs and conferences for the last decade plus have been trying to find a way to get a larger cut of the money than everyone else in the conference. And so back to Florida State. Once President McCullough finished his statement with a very pointed and intentional statement about the ACC's media deal, he opened it up to the Board of Trustees for their thoughts and questions. And one by one, Every single trustee echoed McCullough's sentiments, getting stronger and stronger in their language. Former Florida State quarterback 
and current trustee Drew Weatherford had some of the strongest words about the situation. He asked if Florida State wanted to play games or if they wanted to compete before saying, it's not a matter of if we leave, it's just a matter of how and when we leave. Another trustee, Justin Roth, said that Florida State should have a plan to exit the conference in the next 12 months. There was no pushback against statements like this by any other board members. In fact, they seemed to be completely in lockstep on this. Here's the tricky part for Florida State. The ACC's grant of rights is incredibly strong. The current ACC media deal goes through 2036, and even if a team leaves early, the ACC owns the media rights to that team's home games, home game broadcasts, essentially meaning that it would cost a school hundreds of thousands, or excuse me, hundreds of millions of dollars to leave at that point. So you have this meeting from Florida State beyond a few votes for other items and this kind of pontification about the ACC and wanting more money and, you know, the, the, the haves versus the have nots. What was, what was the purpose of that? Well, think back to what I was saying earlier about leaks and planned breaking news moments. We've known about Florida state's frustrations for a while, but Florida state has been watching everything that's happening on the West coast for a while too. They've been watching, and they've been waiting, and they've been understanding that another wave of realignment is right around the corner, and they wanted to make sure that they were in a position where they could potentially get out of the ACC and get to the Big Ten or the SEC. This, in my opinion, was Florida State's clear signal to the Big Ten and the SEC that they are ready to leave, and it was a big message to the Big Ten specifically, don't go west come east come east come to the east coast come to the acc come get us oregon and washington sure don't go to stanford and cal come get us come get clemson so that's kind of where we are after wednesday so what happens next well on thursday afternoon the Arizona Board of Regents is meeting for another executive session similar to Tuesday. This time it involves both the Arizona and Arizona State presidents. And my understanding is that it's, it's the final meeting prior to putting a vote to join the Big 12. Think of the pattern that we saw with Colorado. There were multiple closed-door executive sessions before a final public vote to make the move. So I think if if we understand this Thursday afternoon meeting to be one of those private conversations, we could maybe expect to see a uh, another board meeting scheduled for maybe even as early as Friday. We could also expect to hear about a, pres- a Big 12 presidents meeting somewhere in there too, um, which would be the meeting where the Big 12 presidents huddle around and say, yes, this is a team we want to formally invite invite and accept into into the big 12 conference um, it's my understanding based on th- people that i've talked to that something similar could happen with utah in the coming days as well um, and then after that we'll see the big 10 could make their next move they could get washington they could add oregon um, and then frankly from there all hell could break loose uh, i don't know what we're, we can expect to see after that one more note about florida and the acc Florida State, excuse me. There have been 
theories throughout the years and conversations throughout the years about a way that schools could essentially get out of the grant of rights issue. And that's if enough schools leave the conference at the same time. I've been told different numbers on this in the past. Originally, I was told 50% of the conference would have to do this at once, which would be seven teams. I've also been told that that number is eight. I've been told that that number is nine. I've been told nine most recently. That's the one I tend to lean to. Uh, But I'll be honest with you, just full disclosure, I don't know what that number is. But I do know this. Multiple ACC schools have made contact with the Big 12 in recent months, asking about a potential landing spot. Is it possible that Florida State and Clemson could be drumming up support and finding landing spots for enough schools to make some more some sort of move to break up the ACC? In short, yes, it is possible. But before we start to dream of three power conferences that each have 20 teams or anything. Here's the thing. I, I, I can see it in theory with the ACC. I can understand how it could go about happening, but it just seems incredibly difficult to make that happen in a small window of time. It seems so, like such a challenge. And when you think about any school that wants to lead the ACC has to formally notify the league before August 15th, of this month, or they would have to wait a whole nother year. So if any school wants to leave the ACC for the 2024 season, they've got less than two weeks to coordinate a departure with seven or eight other programs. It feels almost impossible. Never say never. Never say never. But it feels almost impossible. Now, I said I would bring this around to TCU, so I'm going to do that in the last few minutes here. Florida State's trustee, Drew Weatherford, made another really good point while he was talking about Florida State's need to get out of the ACC. He broke it down like this. Over the next 13 years, if Florida State wasn't to leave the ACC, they would make roughly $400 million less in media revenue than teams in the Big Ten and SEC. It's a $400 million gap that if FSU wanted to close it, they'd have to fundraise that $400 million from donors over that 13 years, so roughly $30 million a year. Meanwhile, teams in the Big Ten and the SEC who don't have any gap to close could redirect those funds from boosters that might have been needed in the past for facilities or coaches salaries or whatever they can redirect those booster funds other places including various i don't know nil collectives now there's an opportunity here for the big 10 and the sec schools to build up a war chest for their best players that eventually drains the player resources from other schools this is the concern that that weatherford was making during the florida state board meeting today And his concern was, how do we not only continue to try and close the gap from a media rights perspective, but how do we continue to close the gap from an NIL collective perspective, from a booster fundraising perspective? Because there is this trickle-down effect, there is this kind of ripple effect when there is such a significant gap 
from one conference to the next in far, as far as media rights are concerned. And frankly, that's a concern that I think every school that's not already in the Big Ten and SEC has, including TCU. They have to be aware as they jockey for position in the college football landscape that this gap is a reality and they have to find ways to address that gap with their with their fan base um now tcu just fully funded a a human performance center right for like 50 million dollars they've fundraised for stadium renovations and rebuilds in the past without having to take out a loan we know that in this nil era the flying t club is setting some pretty ambitious goals on the collective front we know that generally speaking the frogs have always been good at doing more with less as well whether that's financial or talent or whatever it may be and so from my perspective tcu is in pretty good shape right now on on the finance front on the talent front on the conference front all of it but as that gap continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger five eight ten years down the road TCU has to keep working on building as impressive a resume as they possibly can for the next round of realignment because there will be a next round and when it comes down to that round of realignment how good of a position will TCU be in how good of a position will Florida State be in if nothing happens this time around a lot of schools are going to be asking that question and trying to build a resume that bridges the gap between the haves and the have nots before the next round of realignment. But I do want to end this on a good note. If you're a TCU fan, you should really just be happy right now. For the first time ever, the Frogs are on the inside looking out instead of on the outside trying to find a way to break into the party. That's the reality for TCU right now. The Frogs are going to be welcoming new members, not searching for a new home. Now, will that be the case next time around? I don't know. So let's enjoy this for now. Let's celebrate the fact that the Big 12 is in a position of power. And let's just see where the chips fall this time around for college football realignment. I think the Big 12 is in a pretty good place of strength. I think that whatever happens in the next two weeks could have ultimately bumped the big 12 up to the third strongest conference in the country, which if you had told anybody that 18 months ago, they would have laughed you out of the room. That's a testament to the work Brett Yormark has done. It's a testament to the work the big 12 presidents and chancellors have done. That's a testament to the work the university athletic directors have done. And that shouldn't go unrecognized in this moment. That's where we're going to end this episode of Frogs Insider, though. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this helped you kind of gather all of the information in one place. There were a couple of little rumors in there, too. Like I said, all leaks are intentional. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Frogs Insider. Once again, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating and a review. Leave a comment on the YouTube video below to tell me what you think is going to happen this next round of realignment and keep your eyes peeled and your ears open to the realignment news that's for sure coming in the next few days and weeks until next time i'm jamie plunkett thanks again for listening and go frogs